Hey, hey, welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us again and staying curious. So today's episode um, is on education. Um, quite a wide topic, really. So um, what well, we're looking at from the perspectives of the people around the table always. Um, but I'm sure um, our listeners can actually, some of the stuff that we're talking about will resonate with them. So we're here with uh, our usual um, tribe members. Hello, Margaret here, always, just for you, just to let you know about my educational woes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Helen here, I'm looking forward to joining the debate as always. So yeah, so as Lyd said, it's a wide, it's a very wide topic. I mean, all of us around the table have experience of um, primary school, uh, infant school, primary, middle, secondary, university, private, non-private. So it should be a rich discussion. So who'd like to kick off? Mark, would you like to kick off? Yes, okay. <laughs> I can I can begin. So um, like many around this table, I went to state schools, um, progressed through my education, schooling, college, university. So um, yeah, um, my son's had a completely different journey to me. So we were fortunate enough to be located within catchment for an outstanding school and following amazing um, experience at Montessori Nursery. My son joined this outstanding catchment school um, in Langley, I will say. And the experience wasn't a good one for us. So I would say from reception through to around year two, um, we undertook the challenges of um, state school. And I would say being a single mum with a black son, that experience was a challenge. Um, I felt as though my son experienced bullying in from reception really until year one and then frantic discussions with my sister meant I relocated my son to um, a school that was better from his pastoral care perspective, well-being, but unfortunately was going through um, special measures. So it wasn't academically the place for him. So frustrated by these experiences, I withdrew my son from state school and put him into the private school system. He's 13 now. He has been to private school since he was six. And honestly, it's been an amazing experience for both of us. There were challenges. Um, when you have a child who's been exposed to bullying, they are very angry and very scared, conscientious of people taking advantage of them, I'd say. And I'm surprised at how long the scars have stuck. But when I look at him today, he is excelling at school. You know, he is loving the private school experience mostly. And yeah, I think it has been a challenge. Obviously there's the financial aspects to it, but best decision I ever made. I don't think, unfortunately, I would go back into the state system. And I empathize with parents who are having to face some of those challenges that I had in those early years. I do not think it's easy for single parents definitely the mothers are undermined by the schools hugely even though mostly you're more academically bright than some of the teachers <laughs> um but that aside I think 
black boys and you know the support that they get in state school it's mixed I guess review because I'm sure people around this table will be bringing their experiences and it may be slightly different to mine but I think there is definitely a systemically a problem there still so that's my take on the school piece at this stage well, yeah yeah that's a good one I think um okay my experience I suppose is um I've got you know I, I've had a mix um but actually I've, I've made choices in where my kids go to school so I, I have had a mix but I've been um I, I went with intent I would say to um to say that I was particular about the schools that I wanted my kids to go to um and actually at the, at the time that I was applying well for instance my son went to a school that was on Eaton High Street I mean, before my son was of age to go to that school, I petitioned them for two years. You know, I used to ring that headmistress up. Um, every day. Yeah, <laughs> every day sometimes, sometimes once a month, whatever. But I put it, I diarised that stuff. Do you, do you know what I mean? Because I wanted my son to get into that school and he did. And I knew that once he was in, any other siblings would be in there as well. Um, not only that, it, it was the school itself, but it was really the locality you know, for um, a, a young black boy to be going to school in Eton and actually seeing black boys at Eton College, mm. you know, in that kind of environment. And the school was very active um, in partnership with Eton College. Yeah, good yeah. alliances. Good alliances. I mean, you know, we used to go to Chris Dingle service in the Eton mm. College chapel. chapel yeah. um, we would go to Eton Action Fair, yeah. um, which is um, a charitable thing put on by the Eton boys. You know, it's part of their heritage and their culture. So actually kind of like indoctrinating mm. um, our, our sons within that kind of environment. Yeah, is a good thing. And, and getting them to see actually to get exposed to that to get exposure to that that they wouldn't have necessarily been exposed to mm. in uh state schools not in that vicinity mm. yeah. I yeah, agree. yeah absolutely but I would say also I think one uh of the things is I I didn't have a problem traveling that that's the point to get yeah. my kids to school and I say this to you because some people might say okay well it's easy I didn't drive for years I did not in those drive. early years yeah, yeah so you know and um, that was the strength of, of our commitment to actually do this for our children yeah yeah I mean that's different to you know my upbringing was and I guess probably many listening on around the table it was more about what school was local for our parents to get us to there was um not much thinking uh, I know speak from my experience anyway about what the school had to offer so much obviously you know as long as it wasn't on in special measures or anything like that but it was more so oh this school's up the road and this is where you guys are going to go um I remember wanting to go not wanting to go to the the school that my um older sister and brother had gone to I wanted to go to a school where my friends were going and my dad clearly remember I remember the words you ain't going to school to look for him you're going <laughs> So I was not allowed to go to this other school. So, um, but yeah, but when I had my kids, I was I was more conscious. Um, I, I, Lid, I would say, had gone to real, not extreme measures, but Lid, you know, she said she didn't drive. She was getting her children to school, not school around the corner, but miles away. Um, but I was I was conscious in terms of thinking about better schooling for them, what the school had to offer. 
what the area was and and yeah I guess both of them were fortunate to go to uh to good schools primary um uh, my son started off in a private school um for a few years and and even up to uh the college where my daughter went she went to to Henley College so um they they were they had um you know a much different experience to, to what I had growing up yeah that's really interesting, actually. I suppose my experience is slightly different again. Um, I started off going to the school up the road, and I think we all have had that same thing from our parents in terms of you're not following your friends, you know, mm. you're, you're going to school. Um, however, in secondary school, um, I was quite fortunate enough to meet, there was a, a teacher, my science teacher was called Dr. Masisi, and I remember she said, you know, you really need to try out for this private school. Um, I think you'd get in, you'd probably get a scholarship. So I ran home to tell my parents and they were like, private school, we're not paying for the uniform. Mm -hmm. You know, they were very specific about what they could and couldn't do. Anyway, cut the long story short, I went to private school and I think it was a real eye opener for me. I think it kind of, uh, like you say, it was, it was a great experience and it wasn't just the academic side, it was also the kind of the whole mindset as well. I think definitely I saw a real change in terms of just your expectation levels. You know, in my old school, I remember you submit homework and I'd get straight A's all the time, whereas sort of submitting stuff, I might get a B one day and I'd be like, oh, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think it was actually the calibre of people that you're studying with and the interest levels. And I think the one thing that I probably, you know, I, I, I absolutely loved it. I mean, it wasn't very diverse. That was the only other thing. I think there was only 9% of the school was, was black. So I think I found that a challenge. And I found it a challenge coming home because my sisters and my cousins and stuff would be like, well, you talked, you know, you, you, <laughs> you don't talk right, you know. So I, it was a real challenge because on one side in the private school, I probably sounded a little bit common, mm. as you might say. And on the other side, I'd come mm. home and they'd say, oh, you sound a bit posh. Yeah, so posh. it was really, it was a bit of a, for me, I, I just never understood it. But I just, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? When you see everyone's different journeys and things. But I do think that the environment you're in plays a big part to how you sort of see, see the world and how you see yourself in it you know yeah and I think um so we've done our best I think more in our family to try it because we've got what two of them who went to private school mm -hmm. and um which is interesting in itself really mm -hmm. but uh yeah it's it's funny hearing Helen talk about you know uh their diction mm -hmm. I would say <laughs> uh you know there are some funny stories about that because <laughs> Whilst our kids might be going to these fantastic places and whenever they do live with us and in, in a quite a normal yeah. background. Um, so they go to normal um, after school clubs, they go to normal summer clubs and things like that. But I think we have had to kind of um, rein in some of those. Yeah, yeah, kind of the ways that they would actually refer to some things, I think. Um, really? Oh, yeah, we've had moments. <laughs> I remember you thinking about the chaps yeah 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 so I think they were um I think they were doing a summer club weren't they lighthouse yeah yeah, yeah. and I didn't know exactly what the conversation was but they were in a group and they were geeing the others on to kind of get up and take action and the phrase that they used were come along then chaps come on chaps it was, it was so you know typically public school <laughs> um so yeah there, there there have been those and I know that I post pictures in in our family group and you know there's references being made mm. by the older cousins tally ho, tally -ho. <laughs> <laughs> um 
so yeah I think but I but actually I think that's coped quite well with with having to deal with the two sides although I would say you know that even the children having gone to state have still gone to very yeah good yeah and very yeah, yeah. good very affluent yeah. state yeah. schools so they haven't necessarily mingled with just yeah yeah the lessers yeah but but do you not think that could lend itself to a bit of a sort of loss of I don't know identity, identity. yeah identity kind of crisis in a miniature kind of way I mean obviously with yours it's a bit different because they're very much integrated the two or three that have gone into private school are very much part and parcel of the family but it can you can feel quite self-conscious if you know, say you're in an environment where everyone is saying tally ho, for example, and then you you can't translate. You know, it's but it's, there is there is this um, perceived view, and I know from you know our children. I guess if they're not exposed to that, our children are very lucky, I think, yeah. because they are exposed to these kind of things. But yes. when my daughter was growing up, my daughter's 28 now. Mm. When I would say to her, I remember when she was going off to university, and I was suggesting that she applies for the Oxfords and yeah. the Cambridges and things like that. But at the time, um, it was very much, oh, no, you know, I couldn't I couldn't yeah, go to someone like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's not because um, she's not um, bright enough to go, but it's the environment. And I guess for her, she may not have felt comfortable mm-hmm. going to a place like that. She wasn't, she didn't go through the private education mm-hmm. up to that point. She'd gone to grammar school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a, a lot of children, I think, feel that they they just don't fit. It's, it's they don't. Yeah, it is intimidating. It's not what they used to. So they'd shy away from that. But I think that's changing now. Changing. I think they're more being more adventurous and actually thinking, actually, why shouldn't I be there yeah. rather than uh, having a different view about it? Yeah. And I think with uh, especially the, the more prestigious Russell Group universities yeah. or you know, Oxford and Cambridge and things like that you know you they've got backing now you mm-hmm. have got Stormzy who's um you know he's pushing forward his scholarship and every year he increases that mm-hmm. so you know you'll be championed for this call to action so you know th- what I'm saying is the opportunities mm-hmm. are quite um the opportunities are there and actually they are set up now for for us for people mm-hmm. who look like us mm-hmm. But can I can I say some of that I think is very much perception. Now having done this whole private school thing for a good seven years, I would say when I started, I was intimidated by the prospect of what I may face. Mm-hmm. But there are many, many working class parents that have taken the decision to invest in their children's primary education in some cases, looking forward maybe at grammar or going all the way if there's like one or two children. So I think the demographic of parents now sending their children to private schools in certain areas, I mean, there's always going to be prestigious ones, but it tends to be, you know, working class or low middle class parents who are just trying to give their children a boost. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's interesting actually talking to friends of mine. One of my friends has worked as an expat for many years overseas and actually investing in children sometimes means different things. So for her children, they've gone um, through private education since, you know, from the very beginning. But she's actually now looking to flip that over into um, she's moving back to the UK. She's um, taking them back to state school because she wants them to experience more diversity. So I think 
investing is interesting because that can be by sending your child to private yeah. school or it could be the reverse or it could be investing in after school clubs or it could be investing in areas that they are excelling in for example sport or for example music or ballet so I think what's great now is actually it's opened it up to investing in the right area for your child yeah. so it's not necessarily one size fits all yeah I agree yeah. I think that parents are now more accountable yes for extending the education beyond just yes. the academic mm-hmm. They do have to give their children variety. They have to give them, like you say, those after school club experiences, yeah. music, art, whatever it may be. It, 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 it's enrichment, it, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. And yeah. interestingly, like I remember I took Braca to Eton once because I, you know, he was trying out for Eton. And I think the thing that struck me, you know, having obviously gone through private school is those enrichment opportunities. So the extra things where the MPs will come and talk to the children, where you know yeah. they'll be able to sort of go off and have a day in the treasury or you know mm. it's those it's those things actually that kind of get the passion and, and get them sort yeah. of Lid, Lid and I uh, took our boys to and they had an open day and interview and stuff and they weren't that keen were they we're, we're, we're at, Eton, again, at Eton College oh Eton College oh yeah we were very keen the, tea, the teas were nice <laughs> The sandwiches, I've got to say, high teas were good there. Mm. But, but the, the boys weren't. No, the but boys then, weren't. But then, you know, when you you have, there's lots of parents out there that probably wouldn't know how to even go about doing all of that. They wouldn't know, you know, you think about, you you want to invest in your child, you'd like your child to go to a private school for a better education, better um, environment, better, all of the, the enrichments that go with it. But some people, some parents would even know how to start that process, process, Mm -hmm. how to begin. How do you look for scholarships? How, you know, where do you go? Mm. So, you know. And you're right about the intimidation. And I think we're less intimidated now. Mm. But I know that back in my day, my parents were very, you know, it was very intimidating in terms of it just felt a little bit out of reach. So you would turn up and the other parents would be talking to their kids in Latin. Yeah, yeah. kind of like. But I think private school is a business now. I mean, if you look at the explosion of private schools since we were children, I'd say it's exponential. So they they have to get interest from people who are just about managing and are considering maybe investing in a child's education. And so that accessibility piece, Mm -hmm. they're better at canvassing parents now Mm -hmm. and inviting them. And when you get there, as I say, the experience is yeah. not what you think it is. No. It's not our perceived experience. They are very welcoming. They will have lots of insights into why certain education can benefit certain children. Yeah. And in the case of my son, I needed the pastoral care. I needed him to feel mm. loved at school mm. because he was getting to the point where I could see he'd soon be saying to me, Mummy, I don't want to go. I don't want to face something so he needed to feel safe, secure, so that he could focus on the thing that he was there to do, yeah. which was to learn. Yeah. And do you think now, like, in you know, we talk about it in terms of health, in terms of all these other things, part of life is that we need more rounded education. So it's about finding something that actually helps our children in terms of it's a rounded education. It's not just about getting, you know. The A's and the G's. B's. Yeah. 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 But, I, 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 but I think this is where, to some degree, state is failing in my opinion and it is just my personal Mm. opinion when I look at private school and why I think children excel in those environments aside from exceptional education they are looking after their whole well-being so pastoral care 
and having the ability to be able to deliver that pastoral pastoral care the the class sizes are much much smaller they know the children by name they observe how they're behaving in the classroom and they take them aside Mm. and they challenge them Mm. and I think unfortunately in state where teachers don't have sometimes the ability to focus on a child that needs more support needs more nurturing yeah they don't have the time do they children will suffer in that environment and I think that's something you know schools definitely need to start placing some um focus on otherwise we're building a generation of kids that are resenting the prospect Mm. of going to school because they're not enjoying the experience Mm. for them it's onerous I think think you're I think you've struck on something there because I think even for some of the grammar schools it can be very difficult even for bright children because actually unless because you've got 30 or 40 and 35 whatever in a class you've got to get people to kind of almost work in the same way Mm. so if you're a person that needs to express themselves in this way or do you know you're you're an outlier yeah you're a problem but then I think also isn't it a case that you know parents they're your kids I'm sorry you Mm. need to be able to identify um what your child is really good at you need to know your kids yeah so actually um just the simple act of talking to them Mm. asking them about their days and what is it that they're doing actually have an interest in them and it's interesting that you should say about um kids needing enrichment programs because universities now it's not just about uh, curricula stuff it's about extracurricular and supercurricular mm. so the extracurricular is all your stuff like sports and things like that but your supercurricular universities are asking for all your things like uh, helping out in the community mm. um, you know do you help at food banks mm. and what else do you do how are you connecting the dots of all of the things of all of your society yeah exactly yeah. so it's not just and in order to get all those kinds of bits mm. you, kids have to be exposed to them mm. you know um, and and for me, when kids are very young, they are going to tell you they don't want to do it, but you have to just, mm. you know, we're, going, wonder, we're going down the road. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder, though, because remember when we were at school, actually going to do those community-type activities was common. That's right. People used to go to retirement homes or yeah. to the hospital and um, kind of entertain the elderly. Mm. It, was, it was part of our... Mm curricula yeah. what's happened to those things what well, where have they where have they i don't gone? remember my kids doing that yes yeah, we, we, we did no not yeah, yeah no not children, children, no, 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 no i don't imagine but also before we um because i know but there is another aspect of it um the black curriculum oh yeah yeah so the black curriculum um they want to equip young people i think from the ages of eight to sixteen with a sense of identity and the tools for um, to develop in the landscape, to develop a, a diverse landscape. Okay. So, you know, there's lots of petitioning going on at the moment calling for um, enhances to the national curriculum, um, specific, well, across all subjects, but specifically history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, because if you, if you don't know where you come from, how can you actually begin to imagine where you can go? Yeah. You know, if you never see yourself, so it's actually uh, bringing out to very young children. Actually, we were not jumping around in caves. Yeah, we had a rich tapestry of history. And yes, you come from kings and queens, literally that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, coming over into Europe is one side of your history, but that should not be ignored at the expense of where we came from. Mm -hmm. True. And aside from, you know, that history, 
even the contribution that we've made to invention, yeah. business, commerce, you know, it doesn't have to be back to slavery and the abolishment of slavery. There is a rich history in the black community. Yeah. There's so much that they could extend yeah. to inform youngsters about without necessarily bringing up slavery. Exactly. Yeah. And not only that, it shouldn't just be um, talked about or shared every October of every year. Yeah. It should be discussed throughout the whole curriculum um, and throughout the years. It's not just a... Um, you know, one time of the year that we should be talking about this to our children. Yeah, so it's it's things like, so who were the black math- mathematicians? You know, who who were the inventors? Yeah. Um, that needs to be, what, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying um, the Harriet Tubmans of this world and whatever, whatever, but let's actually bring it home to some, you know, um, to some other other yeah. other names in history exactly. rather, than one, rather than the ones that we we all know and even if we talk about right now you know Africa is now the fastest growing continent in the world and I think that um you know we see it from the music from the food from you know so many different so even when we talk about current Africa it's now the fastest growing continent and I think you know we're probably going to see in Africa a revolution you know we see Africa growing massively now um and I, I think it's current, and I think that that's the other thing that we need to celebrate—not just the history, but also the future of Africa. Mm. So. Yeah, and and actually, um, funny enough, you should say that because I know that there was a conference in the last two weeks where um, maybe blackness on a continent level is actually um, coming to the fore. I know there was a conference in the Caribbean where Africans and West Indians got together to actually say this is what we need to do we need to come together so they're they're pushing for one flight a week from the West Indies to Africa yeah they're also asking for Africans and West Indies to freely move between those countries Mm -hmm. so no visas no nothing and I think when we start um, seeing that kind of approach Mm -hmm. us us in our own communities as a race of people being more joined Mm -hmm. up you know that that's when we'll see real changes not not only just in education but across the board mm. Mm. absolutely yeah education is a interesting topic really isn't it because i think it's it will be interesting to see where our children emerge in our age group so let's know. just hope they emerge more <laughs> <laughs> Well, because I think this this is an interesting, for me, it's an interesting conversation because if we look at our four selves around this table, you know, all undergrads, successful undergrads, all potential postgrads as well, education to us has played a huge influence in our outcomes when it's led to, you know, wealth, career, advancements. And I think unfortunately our children have kind of missed a trick to some degree I'm kind of examining my son right now at 13 and I'm I'm now applying much more of a territorial um approach to his education I'm saying to him something that my parents used to quote to us I don't care what you do but you must graduate you must go to university you must have a degree at a time when people are saying, yeah, the need for a degree isn't there. There are so many other ways to kind of advance yourself. But I still feel that advancement opportunity isn't there 
in the same way that academics can launch you. And I feel that black parents really need to understand that fact because we're no longer the United Kingdom, we're a global economy. And as you say, Helen and Lyd, you know, advancements are happening all over the globe. To be able to be prepared to advance into those global markets, you need an academics behind you that's going to strengthen your position and give you that flavour. So, you know, to be able to carry yourself in all forums. So for me, I personally feel parents who are not pushing their kids into further education, by default, black parents primarily, they're missing a trick. And it's interesting you say that because I've taken, I say I've taken, but my two children have taken different approaches. So my daughter was very keen and she knew she wanted to go to university from a very early age. And my son knew from a very early age he didn't. <laughs> um, as parents, we never push them either way. Mm. I just said, to my daughter to make sure you're going for the right reasons you're not following your friend them there to have a good time <laughs> yeah. um, but it is yeah like my dad said to me but it is a good you know you are doing it uh for a reason for your career and that kind of stuff and my son was adamant he didn't want to go um we was very much encouraging him interestingly last year um but he was just not having it and yeah. and I think how can you force them because at the end of the day I did well, yeah. <laughs> That's how it's done. Or, or the belt in our case yeah but um but yeah he wasn't working he he enrolled he then um we deferred it but he's still not showing any signs of wanting to go however um he made to end up like me I'm I went to uni at the age of 50 very proud to say I did um you know, got got through my bachelor's degree and I'm now doing a, a master's. Amazing. And it's hard work because we're working, we've got a family and it's different when you're young, isn't it? Yeah. You've just got yourself to be thinking about. But um, but yeah, we didn't we didn't say either way, but um, yeah, but very two different, yeah. two different approaches. So funny thing is, as you started to say that, I was looking at Maslow's hierarchy like of needs. needs yeah. yeah, I'm kind of thinking that obviously our parents with that psychological, the basic stuff, the basic. basic food, water, warmth, yeah. rest, you know, all of that. And then I think as we've kind of in our generation, we've managed to get through the safety, security, the relationship status. I think our children, to a certain degree, perhaps it's that they're at that top end where it's about self-fulfillment you know, they want to experience life in a different, you know, because I think all of the other areas have been ticked off by us and our parents. So I think this generation is maybe, you know, maybe they are missing a trick or maybe, as they say to me, we're missing the trick. (laughs) Actually, you know, they want to do something that they feel is valuable. You know, I I think that it's a lot more driven about sort of fulfilling their kind of creative I think you're right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And also I think in the environment that they live in, you know, um, in in a... we're living in a world now where nature is going against us uh, from a perspective of how we've treated her. You know, um, there are more um, there are more disasters over the world because of how we've actually treated the world. Yeah. So now that they we are leaving them with a legacy of having to cope with this stuff. So I think their drivers and pushes are very very different. Mm. Um, and sometimes I do look at it and think we're we're actually preachers and all the all the good stuff that we've done but actually their world what we're leaving them to inherit sometimes they don't see it like that yeah i'm comfortable with marine biology (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm okay with that. Yeah? Or deforestation expert, what geologist. I'm okay with these green professions. They're Absolutely. not thinking that though, are they? No, no. You know, I, I can I can dig that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I know, I know. But I just uh, yeah, so I think from the shelf's perspective, I mean we've we've touched a little bit on um, on education and we've really done it from um, the perspectives that we know. You know, it is massive. So within your own spaces, with your own tribe, you know, do what works for you. Um, but but always with a curious thought to how you can actually stretch yourself, whether, you know, educate yourself, educate your children. It, you know, it's about pushing the envelope, pushing the boundaries and actually um, making us a generation that's fit for purpose for those going forward. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thank you for staying curious and um, we look forward to you tuning in again and um, have a good one people